Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we are going to be previewing the NFL divisional round of the playoffs for DFS purposes. Whether you're playing on FanDuel or DraftKings, this podcast will have you covered with some of our favorite plays, some stats you need to know, and pretty much ways that you can build your lineup to win this week in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Honestly, this is probably my favorite round of the playoffs as a television viewer, because really, there's no scrub teams left. There's no teams that are just going to get rolled over. Um, all four of these games should be pretty good. Um, and, you know, you're still getting your normal NFL, it's on for seven hours type of deal. So um, one of my favorite weekends as a television viewer should be a good one. If you're playing DFS, you are in the right spot. If you want to know my full DFS picks, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. Also, make sure you give me a follow on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. I drop some extra stats and facts that I don't always get to here on the show, as well as I'm more than happy to answer any lineup or start sit questions. Also, if you've been here with us for NFL coverage all season, I encourage you to branch out. Check out the podcast feed. Uh, we've got episodes for college basketball and golf. They're coming out weekly. Uh, and we're probably going to be expanding to more sports pretty soon. So um, just... You know, my, y- y'all are a great audience, like, and I appreciate y'all. If you're here for one sport, try out all of them. All right, helps me out, helps you out. Maybe you find something new that you enjoy. Anyway, enough with the intro. Let's go ahead and start breaking this divisional round down, starting with the quarterback position. But first, a quick word from our friends at Anchor. All right, so taking a look at the quarterback position, uh, looking on DraftKings, this is not the case on FanDuel, but it is the case on DraftKings. Generally speaking, all these quarterbacks are kind of a little bit down from the regular season pricing, which is something that I'm not opposed to. I think it'll make it a little bit easier for us to build out a full lineup this week. I think it'll allow us to squeeze in some more high-dollar options at wide receiver and tight end this week, which is, you know, honestly, good news because there are some good high-dollar wide receivers and tight ends that I do want to put into my lineup. Now, Patrick Mahomes is the top play on the slate um, for this week. He is the top-priced quarterback, and in my opinion, he is the number one quarterback to play. He had 32.1 fantasy points earlier in the season against Jacksonville in Week 10. And Patrick Mahomes is even better in the playoffs than he is in the regular season. In his career, he averages 26.9 fantasy points in playoff games, which is a full 1.7 more points than his average this season. And if you are doubting the Chiefs in this one, if you're picking the Jags, if you, if you think that the Chiefs are going to get upset, Andy Reid is 21-3 and in his career coming off of a bye. And in case you didn't know, he's coming off of a bye this week. So um, I think everything points to a big offensive performance from Kansas City. I think that everything points to a Chiefs victory. Like, it is amazing to me every year that in the regular season, people try to look for ways to manufacture doubt or, you know, kind of just manufacture, like, the the downfall of the Kansas City Chiefs. And every year it just doesn't happen. They find themselves in the AFC Championship again, and they'll probably find their way into the Super Bowl again. Like, Patrick Mahomes is a generational talent. He's a generational quarterback. I was on Patrick Mahomes before a lot of people. I was drafting him in 2018 to be my starter after they traded Alex Smith, and obviously he did not disappoint. And so... Yeah, I'm kind of rooting for the success of the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that they win this game. I think that they score a lot of points in this game. And I have no problem making Patrick Mahomes my DraftKings quarterback for this week. Now, looking further down the board, Josh Allen is number two. And honestly, I think now we have enough of a sample size that we can determine that Josh Allen is not the same player that he was before the wrist injury that he suffered in week nine. I just don't think he's been as effective since that injury. Before the injury, 
He had played eight games, and five of them he had scored more than 30 fantasy points. Since the injury, he's played nine games, and only two of those have been over 30 fantasy points. So I think that he's becoming a little less effective. He is kind of, I don't know, he kind of worries me watching him. Like, he throws the ball downfield in situations where he just doesn't have to. Like, he wants to go for the long ball more than he needs to, and that's... You know, that can hurt you in the playoffs. That can run into a few turnovers. You know, you can cost yourself some key possessions. So I'm a little concerned about Josh Allen. I think he needs to kind of rein in the recklessness a little bit. And to, you know, kind of add to all that, I did not think he looked good in the first quarter of the Cincinnati game on Monday Night Football before the DeMar Hamlin injury. Um, So I don't know. I just think if you're playing Josh Allen, it's because of the name. It's because he's Josh Allen. It's not because of a good matchup. It's not because of a good recent history. It's just the fact that he is Josh Allen. He's one of the you know most physically athletic quarterbacks to ever play in the NFL. He's got one of the best arms ever in NFL history, but he just hasn't been as effective since that wrist injury. So personally, I would rather pay up for Patrick Mahomes or you know get a little bit of savings and go with Jalen Hurts. But again, he is still Josh Allen. He's still going to give you some upside, um, but he would not be my preferred play among the top group. Now, speaking of Jalen Hurts, prior to his injury, he had four straight games over 30 fantasy points, which was kind of incredible considering where people thought of Jalen Hurts at the start of the season. Now, the good news about this game is we've got a requisite sample size to kind of see what Philly does to attack the Giants' defense. And he had 30.4 fantasy points against the Giants in Week 14. In Week 18, they played again, but he did not get a full game against them, so I'm not going by that number. And the Giants are a pretty weak run defense. Jalen Hurts had 77 rushing yards against them in Week 14. I see no reason to expect this train to slow anytime soon. With a lot of ownership lumping around Mahomes and Allen in FanDuel and DraftKings contest, I think that Jalen Hurts becomes the lower-owned play of the three, and I think he becomes a really good leverage play going up against that Giants defense. Now, talking about Joe Burrow. I'm a little concerned about the O-line health because now with the injury to Jonah Jackson, um, they are down three starters in this game against Buffalo. I'm sorry, I believe it's Jonah Williams, actually. My bad. Anyway, offensive line is like the one position that smart football people know matters a lot. Like, you're not going to get the same amount of time to throw. You're not going to have the same running lanes. Everything's going to be a little bit off schedule. They might struggle to pick up a few blitzes. Pretty much, this is just going to kind of mess the whole Bengals offense up, in my opinion. And I think that Buffalo is a good enough defense to take advantage of it. Now, the counterpoint is that in that Monday night football game where the Bills and Bengals played, he was looking great. Like, Joe was just absolutely dotting him up, up and down the field. And so maybe, he, you know, he's kind of able to get into a rhythm against this defense. But I don't know. I think that O-line health scares me enough and the matchup against the Bills scares me enough that I will go somewhere else with my quarterback position. Dak Prescott, believe it or not, is coming off of his single highest uh, fantasy performance in his career against Tampa, in a single game, that is. Now, the 49ers' defense is pretty stout. They've only allowed four quarterbacks this season to put up 20 fantasy points or more on them, and it's quite the motley crew of a list. Jarrett Stidham, you know, weird one. Marcus Mariota, weird one. Tua Tagovailoa, okay, I get that one. And Patrick Mahomes. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So still, kind of a motley crew of a list, but it's not a long list. So not a whole lot of quarterbacks are putting up a lot of fantasy points against the San Francisco 49ers. Now, one good sign, though, is that these teams played in the playoffs last season, and Dak Prescott, in a fairly low-scoring game, had 20.8 fantasy points against the 49ers. So I don't think that this is a terrible spot for Dak. Again, I would personally rather pay up for... um, 
a Patrick Mahomes or a Jalen Hurts. But if you're looking to pay down, I don't think Dak Prescott is a bad option. And I don't think the ownership on him will be very high at all. Trevor Lawrence had 21 fantasy points against Kansas City in Week 10. He attempted 40 passes in that game because they were trailing pretty much the entire game. And I would expect that you can probably expect to see that again this week. Um, you know, Kansas City's offense is elite. They're, they're not going to be stopped a whole lot. So Jacksonville will probably be trailing, and they'll probably be having to throw, throw, throw to try to keep up. And I think that they'll be able to keep pace for a little bit. This game has a little bit of shootout potential. Um, so I do think Trevor Lawrence is a solid option if you want to pay down. I'll be honest, I'm not real interested in playing Daniel Jones this week. Uh, he had 19.4 fantasy points against Philly in week 14, which is not bad, but I, I just don't see that happening again. The one upside that you do get with Daniel Jones is his rushing ability. He had 17 carries in the wild card round, which is the second most by a quarterback in playoff history. So if they're going to kind of run him into the ground, then yeah, maybe he might have a little bit of upside, but I just I, I'm just not feeling it with Daniel Jones this week. Brock Purdy for the San Francisco 49ers has a kind of wild stat. He's thrown for at least two touchdowns in every start, and he's had at least 15 fantasy points in every start. That Dallas secondary also, I think, is a little bit suspect. They have not been the same since the injuries to Jordan Lewis and Anthony Brown, and so I think that this is a pretty good spot that you can continue to go back to Brock Purdy, and it can allow you to pay up for some elite options at wide receiver and running back and tight end. Um, if you're paying down for a quarterback, he would probably be my preferred option. Um, I think that it might be worth it to pay up from Purdy to Lawrence, but I definitely think those two would be my favorites of the pay down options this week. And like I said, at the top, I'm fine playing Mahomes. I'm fine playing Hurts. And I think that Allen has a little bit of upside, but I will probably not be playing Josh Allen this week. All right, so that does it for the quarterback position breakdown. Let's take a quick breather and then let's talk some running back. All right, so let's start by breaking down the running back position with the option that is at the top of the board, and that is Christian McCaffrey of the San Francisco 49ers. Now, let me start this analysis off with an incredible stat that I have found on Twitter. So, do you guys know who the only running back is this season to score over 20 fantasy points against the San Francisco 49ers? Well, y'all probably saw where I'm going with this, but it is Christian McCaffrey, who is currently a San Francisco 49er. He did it in the games the, that the Carolina Panthers played against the San Francisco 49ers when he was still a Panther. And so since then, literally San Francisco has not given up 20 fantasy points or more to a running back. That's a notch in CMC's belt, and it's a notch in the San Francisco 49ers run defense's belt. Now, one thing that does concern me a little bit about McCaffrey is that he does only average 16.5 fantasy points per game in games where he and Elijah Mitchell have both been active. Now, what's also relevant is if you think that that's kind of just a fluke, he's averaging seven less carries per game when Mitchell is active. So the workload is being smaller, the usage is getting smaller, and when you look at Elijah Mitchell, Mitchell got multiple red zone carries last week and a red zone target that turned into a touchdown, and I think that all of us who played CMC would have been feeling a lot better if we got that extra seven and a half points from that red zone catch and touchdown. So um, I definitely think that this is kind of like a like a high upside, low floor situation. Like if Elijah Mitchell comes in and vultures two rushing touchdowns, McCaffrey's not going to have a super great day because Dallas run defense is still pretty good. However, he is still Christian McCaffrey. He's still one of the best running backs in football. And I still think he's a solid option that you can pay up for, especially if you're cutting cost at quarterback and at wide receiver. But I just, I'm a little concerned about the usage with Elijah Mitchell being active. 
Now, the natural pivot off of Christian McCaffrey is Saquon Barkley. No one is taking the snaps from Saquon. He had over a 90% snap share in the wild card round against Minnesota. Now, the one thing that does concern me is that he only had 6.8 fantasy points against Philly in week 14. Now, what you're getting with Saquon is you're getting an unquestioned workload, you're getting a receiving threat out of the backfield, and you're getting a guy that can play in any game script pretty much. Even if the matchup is tough like it is with Philly, he's going to be playing in any game script. He's going to be the guy in the backfield, and I think that he is a solid option. And if you're concerned about McCaffrey's usage, save a few hundred dollars by going down to Saquon Barkley. Now, looking further down the board, I'm not interested in Joe Mixon with the shaky O-line play. He only had 11 carries for 39 yards last week against Baltimore, and I think the Buffalo is about on par or better than Baltimore's run defense, so I'm just not interested in Mixon until I can see him start to turn it around. Travis Etienne last week for the Jaguars ended the running back committee talks. He had a 90% snap share against the Chargers, and that was a game where they were trailing most of the way. Now, what's interesting, though, is even though he was in when they were trailing, even though they were throwing the ball when he was in, um, he didn't really catch a lot of passes. And he's a guy who, like, draft guys hyped up his receiving ability coming out of college. They said that he could play slot in the NFL. So I don't know what's going on with his lack of you know catches in the NFL this season. He's only averaging a little over two targets per game. I don't know what's going on there, but I definitely like the fact that he is in no matter what the game situation is. This could be a high-scoring game. The Chiefs' run defense is not great. And so I think that this could be a really good spot for ETN. Could have a lot of upside, whether you're playing him as a part of a game stack with this Jacksonville-Kansas City game, or if you're playing him as a part of a one-off, I still think that... Travis Etienne is a solid option for this week. All right, now let's talk Dallas Cowboys. So Tony Pollard, quite frankly, has been more efficient and more explosive and better than Ezekiel Elliott this season. And I just think that if you're going to play one of them, Pollard's the play. Pollard is the one that is being used more in the passing game. Now, one thing that I do think is true about Tony Pollard is I think that he is in line for some positive touchdown regression. He has not scored in four games. And so I think that streak could possibly continue here against San Francisco. Now, like I said earlier, San Francisco's only let one back score 20 fantasy points against them all season long. But if anybody were to break that, it would be Tony Pollard, who is a big play guy. He's a guy who catches a lot of passes, and he's a guy who's in line for some touchdown regression. I think Pollard will make a really solid, low-owned, high-risk, high-upside play in DFS tournaments this week. Now, speaking of touchdown regression, everybody seems to think that negative touchdown regression is coming for Jarek McKinnon. I do not. Believe it or not, out of all the receivers and tight ends on this team, McKinnon has the second highest red zone target share behind only Travis Kelsey. And in the playoffs last season, McKinnon averaged a 75% snap share, which is more than he's been for the second half of this season by about 25%. He's been about 50% on average for the second half of the regular season. So in the playoffs, they lean on McKinnon, they throw to McKinnon, they get the ball in McKinnon's hands because good things happen when it's in his hands. So I really think that Jarek McKinnon, I think a lot of people are going to start to be off of him because of the expected touchdown regression. People think that he can't keep scoring at this rate. But I kind of think that in a vacuum, if you ignore the regression, if you ignore the fact that he scored in a lot of straight games, then I think he can still do it. Like, he's, he's going to get the snaps. He's going to get the targets. So, like, why, why would he not score, right? Now, one thing that people may be concerned about also is that Clyde edwards Lair may be returning from IR, but I'm not really concerned about that. Those two guys have different roles. And last time I checked, Clyde was on the roster last playoffs when McKinnon was getting all the snaps there, too. So I'm not worried about Clyde edwards Lair taking the shine from uh, Jarek McKinnon. 
Now, a guy that I do like a lot is Miles Sanders. He had 31.5 DraftKings points against the Giants in Week 14. The Giants' run defense is well below average. Um, last week, they kind of contained Dalvin Cook a little bit, but you got to remember the Vikings were without some offensive linemen in that game that could have really helped them out in that run game. And there was a streak in the regular season of seven straight games where the Giants gave up a rushing touchdown. And so I kind of think that this is a really good spot for Miles Sanders. It was starting to look like a backfield committee near the end of the season with Sanders, Gainwell, and Boston Scott. But I kind of think that Miles Sanders is going to be the guy they lean on in the playoffs. He is the better player. He's the bigger player of those three. So he's going to be able to sustain a lot of hits. And I just think that in playoff time, you ride with your horses, right? You ride with your dogs. You ride with the guys that are your best players, the guys that are, that got you there. And I think that Miles Sanders is that guy. I could see them giving him a lot of carries in this game. I mentioned how I really like Jalen Hurts this week, and I really like the Eagle stacks. But if you're not doing an Eagle stack, I definitely recommend having Miles Sanders in that lineup. Now, if you're looking for a really cheap upside play, Boston Scott's career against the Giants is actually kind of incredible. He has a touchdown in every game he's played against the Giants, and he has 17 career touchdowns. Ten of them are against the New York Giants. For some reason, Boston Scott loves going up against the New York Giants, so if you're looking for a super leverage play, super low cost, super low owned, I think that Boston Scott could be that guy. Now, Buffalo, their situation, it's officially a committee, y'all. It's about 50-50 in terms of everything. I think Cook has more upside than Devin Singletary because, like, I've seen Devin Singletary play for four years now. He's not that explosive. He's not that effective in the past game, and they don't give him the ball a whole lot. I think Cook has more upside. Cook scored a touchdown last week against Miami. Cook is the receiving back. Cook is a little bit more explosive in the run game also. All right, so that does it for the running back position analysis. Let's take a quick breather and then talk about some wide receivers. My personal favorite wide receiver play on the slate is Jamar Chase of the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes, that if you've been listening to the podcast all year long, that's not something I say a whole lot because Chase is very boomer bust. He has the tendency to disappear and reappear at the drop of a hat, but he is my favorite play this week. Since returning from injury, he has out-targeted T. Higgins 57-35. to 35. To me, Higgins is only like a stack play, like or maybe you're going super contrarian. Maybe he's an option for that as well. But I would not play Higgins optimally. I'd, I'd just go up and pay up for Chase. Um, one thing that is interesting about Jamar Chase, he performs a lot better in better game environments. So when his team is an underdog, when his team is trailing, he usually plays really well. In games where he's been an underdog, he has a 37.1 fantasy point performance and a 58.6 fantasy performance, which was in week 17 against Kansas City in the 2021 season, and it won a lot of people and lost a lot of people their fantasy championships. So, Jamar Chase could be in line for a big day against the Buffalo Bills. The O-line injuries that I was concerned about with the Bengals, and still am concerned about, honestly, you kind of saw their game plan last week against Baltimore. They're going to get the ball out of Joe's hands quickly, and they're going to look to Jamar Chase to do that. So I definitely think Jamar Chase is my favorite play this week. Now, also, the Bills are pretty soft against the slot position, which does create a little bit of upside for Tyler Boyd. Um, I probably won't get there on him unless I'm making a burrow stack, which I don't think that I will be doing. Um, but, you know, just he does give you a little bit of leverage from a position that Buffalo is weak defending. Now, on the Bills' side of things, Stephon Diggs was solid, but he did not score a touchdown last week. And then big game Gabe Davis was back with 26.3 fantasy points. So to me, Stephon Diggs is playable in any situation, but Davis is the guy you want 
four stacks. If the game ends up going crazy, it's probably going to be because Gabe Davis caught two touchdowns. So I definitely think that Gabe Davis is an option if you are stacking the Cincinnati-Buffalo game. Now, if Isaiah McKenzie suits up, he has a little bit of upside playing out of the slot for the Bills. And if he doesn't suit up, then there are two punt plays that you can play that are going to have a little bit of upside, and that is Cole Beasley and Khalil Shakir, both of which had over eight fantasy points last week. For Philly, let's flash back to the start of the season. Remember when people were saying that Jalen Hurts couldn't support two starting fantasy wide receivers? Well, he can. Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown are both outstanding. Brown only out-targeted Smith. 145 to 136 on the season, but Devontae Smith actually had seven more receptions. However, Brown had the advantage in yards and touchdowns. So what you're looking at here is two receivers who are receiving heavy usage, and they're guys that, you know, without a doubt, Jalen Hurts is going to be throwing to. Like, these are the two guys in that offense. Now, if you're wondering whether or not they kind of play against each other, both of them are stackable, in my opinion. You can play both of these receivers with Jalen Hurts. There were five games this season where both of them scored over 18 fantasy points. And, I mean, you know, not a math expert here, but 18 plus 18, that's 36 fantasy points. If you get 36 fantasy points out of your two top wide receivers, that is setting you up for a pretty solid day for the rest of your lineup. Now, if you're feeling a little bit contrarian, if you're feeling a little bit freaky, I feel like Quez Watkins is due for a long touchdown. He hasn't had one in quite a while. And last time they played the Giants in week 14 with Jalen Hurts, he had five targets. So I think that this could be a situation where maybe Quez Watkins becomes the GPP guy that you need in a winning lineup. I don't know. I, I think he's due for a long touchdown. He hasn't had one in a while, and that's what he's been good for in his NFL career. So uh, Quez Watkins definitely worth a look this week. For the New York Giants, they pretty much have gone to a three-wide receiver lineup, and it's a three-horse race that's all pretty close between Isaiah Hodgins, uh, Richie James Jr., and Darius Slayton. They're all three pretty similar in terms of their production. Um, in their last five games, all three are within seven targets of each other. That's not a big gap at all. Now, this spot specifically against Philly, I think, favors Richie James Jr., who is primarily playing the slot position. Since Avante Maddox got injured, the Philadelphia Eagles have been terrible against defending the slot, and so I think that this is a natural leverage spot for Richie James. However, when they get in the red zone, Isaiah Hodgins is clearly the number one target in the red zone. He leads in target share. He leads in end zone targets. Any red zone stat you want to come up with, Hodgins is the guy. So if you think that this game ends up as a shootout, I would probably be inclined to think that Hodgins scores a touchdown more likely than Richie James or Darius Slayton. All right, now let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys. So I still think that this is a good spot for C.D. Lamb. Even though San Francisco is a really good defense, they are the number one slot funnel in the league, meaning that teams score a higher percentage of their fantasy points from the slot wide receiver position against San Francisco than they do against any other offense in the NFL. Not the most total points, highest percentage of points. So... This is the position to attack San Francisco with, and that is where C.D. Lamb does all of his damage. Now, if you're interested in another Dallas receiver, may I lob up T.Y. Hilton? T.Y. Hilton's snap share and route share have increased every week since he's been on the Dallas roster. He is essentially a punt play at his current salary, and I think that he is worth a look, especially if you're game stacking, he is worth a look. 
For the San Francisco side of things, playoff time is Debo time. In the last two seasons, so including this wild card game and the run last year, he's averaging 21 fantasy points per game in the playoffs. I think he is still significantly underpriced on DraftKings, and the Dallas secondary is a little banged up with injuries to Jordan Lewis and Anthony Brown, so I see no reason to go away from Debo Samuel in this one. Now let's talk Kansas City. Jacksonville gives up a lot to slot receivers, which makes it a prime spot for both Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who both operate there. MVS actually had 15 fantasy points the last time these two teams played, um, but I don't know. It's not really consistent which ones of them played there. Like It's not like just a full slot role for Juju or a full slot role for MVS. They both kind of dabble in the slot a little bit. Now, personally, among the Chiefs receivers, I'm intrigued by Kadarius Toney. Andy Reid is one of the best offensive minds in football, and Andy Reid keeps drawing up ways to get this man the football because good things happen when Kadarius Toney has the football. So out of any Chiefs wide receiver, he may have the most upside because he's the type where the Chiefs with all these fancy red zone plays that they do, he's the type where Andy Reid will draw one up for him to get him the ball and get him in the end zone. Kind of like they did in week 18 against the Raiders, except you know the holding penalty took it back. So I think that Kadarius Tony, in terms of points per dollar basis, he's probably the one with the most upside out of all the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, the last time that these two teams played, the Jacksonville wide receivers had a pretty good day. Christian Kirk had 34.5 fantasy points, and Zay Jones had 14.8. Now, looking at last week, the target share was pretty equal as well. Christian Kirk had 14 targets, Zay Jones had 13. And don't discount Marvin Jones Jr. all the way down there on the board who had six targets. He's worth a dart throw, y'all, especially in a game environment that could see a lot of points scored. The Chiefs give up the most fantasy points in the league, total points, to the slot position, which makes it a prime spot for Christian Kirk. Now, if you're sitting there wondering, wait a minute, Mike, you've mentioned this slot position for a lot of teams here on this episode. Why is that? Well, a lot of these teams that are in the playoffs give up a lot of points to the slot because they're really good on the outside. They have really good outside corners. They have really good safeties. And the slot corner is kind of the one that they're weak at. It's kind of a, a way of roster construction because not every team is going to have that slot receiver who's going to hurt you. It just so happens this year that a lot of the teams in the playoffs have not great options at slot corner and great options at the slot wide receiver position. So I think that that's a natural leverage spot for Christian Kirk. And like I said, if this game turns into a shootout, it is a great spot for Kirk. It's a great spot for Zay Jones, and it's not a bad spot for Marvin Jones Jr. either. All right, so that does it for the wide receiver position. Let's go ahead now and break down both tight end and defense in one segment. For the tight end position, look, it's pretty obvious, y'all. Travis Kelsey is the top option on the board, and the price cuts that DraftKings has made to quarterbacks and running backs make him a little bit easier to fit into lineups this week. The Jaguars just gave up 26 fantasy points to Gerald Everett. They're pretty weak defending the position, and to make matters worse, Travis Kelsey averages 22 fantasy points per game in his playoff career. So, great performer in the playoffs. Defense just gave up a big performance. Mahomes looks his way all the time. No reason to stay away from Travis Kelsey this week. George Kittle very much concerns me, however. In games where Debo Samuel plays this season, he's only averaging 10.4 fantasy points per game, as opposed to 21 fantasy points per game when Debo sits out. For me, it's hard to put Kittle in your lineup without paying up for Kelsey or without paying down for some of these other options, unless you are stacking the 49ers. If you're not stacking the 49ers, I'm probably staying away from George Kittle this week. 
TJ Hawkinson is not playing this week, but he did torch the Giants last week, and I think that Dallas Goddard could absolutely do the same thing. In a Week 18 game that was almost meaningless for Philly, uh, he did have six catches for 46 yards, and so I think that Goddard could definitely see some success like Hawkinson did last week. Evan Ingram of the Jacksonville Jaguars had a tough matchup last week against the Chargers. They were one of the most sturdy defensive teams against tight ends. They hadn't given up a whole lot to them, but Evan Ingram kind of isn't a tight end. He's kind of just a glorified slot receiver who's big. And so I think this is a prime spot to play him because Kansas City's really bad against slot wide receivers. If you're game stacking this one, this Jacksonville-Kansas City game, I do not mind a two tight end build where you play both Kelsey and Evan Ingram. I think that if this game ends up scoring a lot of points, it's going to be because those two guys find their way into the end zone. So I have no problem going with both of them. Dalton Schultz is Dak's second favorite target behind CeeDee Lamb, but San Fran is a tough matchup. They got Fred Warner there, one of the best coverage linebackers in the league to defend that tight end position. And I think if you're playing Dalton Schultz, you're really just going to be hoping that he scores a touchdown, which speaking of tight end scoring touchdowns, Dawson Knox has a touchdown in five straight games. If you're game stacking this Bills-Bengals game, he is a cheap way to get some exposure to it. All right, now looking at the defensive side of things. San Fran and Philly are going to be the two most popular ones. On paper, those are your two best defensive plays. Dak turns the ball over a lot. Daniel Jones, probably the worst quarterback left standing. And so I think that those are probably the two options that you're going to see people go with. Now, if you're looking to go down the board a little bit, I kind of like Dallas and I kind of like Cincinnati. Brock Purdy has not seen a defense like Dallas. He has not played a guy like Micah Parsons. So I kind of think Dallas, look, if Purdy's ever going to look bad, which he hasn't yet, it's going to be against this Dallas defense that's really athletic at all three levels, is one of the best defenses in the league. So I kind of think they're worth a look for that reason. And then I kind of like the Cincinnati defense also. Josh Allen currently leads the league in turnovers, and he gave a few to Miami last week. He had some reckless balls that should have never been thrown. And if he's going to keep doing that, Cincinnati can make him pay. Buffalo, I think, is also a decent leverage spot against Cincinnati. You know, we talked about the Cincinnati O-line injuries. I think that those are going to give up some serious fantasy points to the defense. Remember last year, the Tennessee defense had like nine sacks of Joe Burrow, and the Bengals still won the game. So um, I kind of think the Buffalo defense could have a big performance, even if they don't win this game. All right, so that does it for the defensive analysis. Looking at lineup building as a whole, y'all, four games late this week, maybe two and two if you're playing the Saturday only and the Sunday only. It's going to be important to figure out which games you want to get exposure to, which games you want to stack. All four of them I can see arguments for. So this is a week where maybe it kind of benefits the people who build a lot of lineups because you don't know which game is going to go crazy. Now, I think it's probably most likely that the Jacksonville-Kansas City one does, but that doesn't mean that it's the only game that goes crazy. It doesn't mean that, um, you know, it it certainly does. Like, it, it could be a 13 to 10 game. I don't know. That doesn't really happen with Kansas City, but you never know what's going to happen in the NFL playoffs. So I think that for this week, when you're building your lineup, find your game stack, get your quarterback, get two receivers from that stack. And then if you think there's another game that's worth stacking, try to get a secondary stack with a running back and a wide receiver from that game as well. I think that there's multiple options for doing that this week. If you want to see how I build out my lineups, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. And if you want some extra stats and facts that I don't always get to here during the show, head on over to my Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. Give me a follow. I'm more than happy to answer any lineup questions. All right, that does it for your NFL Divisional Round DFS Preview. 
Last week, I picked my wild card games. I went four for six. You know, the Chargers let me down. And the Vikings, I knew they were frauds. Why did I pick them? They let me down also. And so this week, I am going with Kansas City, Philly, Buffalo, and Dallas. No, not Dallas. San Francisco. I don't trust Dallas. So Kansas City, Philly, Buffalo, San Fran. That's who I'm going with this week. So we'll see how I do. We'll see how my lineups do. Best of luck to everybody in their DFS endeavors. Um, Thank you guys for listening. I will see y'all next time.